News, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. We live in the most affluent society ever. We are wealthier than 97% of the people. People in this room here are wealthier than 97% of the people in the world. We don't need anything else. And yet we want and we want and we want. And that's the American spirit. And Jesus, Jesus condemned this covetous spirit that characterizes our society. The spirit that is not satisfied with what it has. It has to have more and more and more. It is often reported that when someone asked John D. Rockefeller how much money is enough, the oil magnate replied, just one dollar more. I don't think Rockefeller was at all unusual in his opinion. For the vast majority of us, enough is never enough. It is good to have you here today for Verse by Verse as we continue our study of the Ten Commandments. It has been a lengthy study, but now Pastor Steve Kreloff has come to the final commandment. Pastor Steve serves at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now, this commandment can be looked at as the one behind all the others. We can break this one and perhaps no one will know. Or more likely, it will show up as the attitude that leads us to break the others. Here is Pastor Steve to explain. This morning, we continue in our study of the Ten Commandments, and we have finally arrived at the last and final commandment. However, this one is mammoth, and we will take two weeks to cover this Tenth Commandment. Now, this may be, and it is the last commandment, it is certainly not the least of the Ten Commandments. In fact, in many ways, the Tenth Commandment is the most significant of all, all of the commandments. Why? Because, watch this, all the other commandments address both an outward action as well as an inward attitude, such as you have adultery, which is physical, outward, and yet it is also mental. You have the other, the other one that Jesus specifically addressed, murder. You can murder someone physically. You can murder them in, their, in your hearts as well. So all of the other commandments address an outward as well as an inward attitude. But this last commandment is not like that. This last commandment deals exclusively with an inward sin. It's a sin that takes place only in our hearts, only in our minds. And that sin is the sin of coveting. Coveting, which means longing for things that belong to other people. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. I invite you to turn there. Here specifically is how the 10th commandment reads. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, because the 10th the 10th commandment focuses only on our thought life. This is a unique commandment. It, it's really, it's a distinctive commandment. It's a special commandment because it deals with an unobservable sin. Coveting is an unseen sin. It is hidden from the sight of others. Nobody sees you or me covet. Nobody. Kent Hughes explains it this way. The 10th commandment goes right to where no other human being can see. You can be living out an orgy of covetousness and no one will know it. 
You may have a conventional congenial face and wear a conventional haircut. You may not have a single telltale extravagance in your life. You may be an elder in your church and yet be seething with angry covetousness. He writes, no one would come even close to dreaming that you are covetous. It is an easily camouflaged interior sin. End of quote. And because it is an easily camouflaged interior sin and visible to no one, what we do with coveting is we tend to minimize it. We tend to overlook it. We tend to think that it's not that important because everybody does it and nobody can see me doing it. Charles Spurgeon once said that he, had a, he heard a remarkable statement from a Roman Catholic priest about coveting. This Roman Catholic priest was talking about all the thousands of people who he had heard confessions from. And he said, though he had heard thousands of confessions involving sins of every kind, he has never heard, he said, he never heard anyone confess the sin of covetousness, which is remarkable. Remarkable. You see, we do tend to minimize coveting, but the Bible doesn't minimize it. In fact, the Bible focuses on it. It focuses specifically on the 10th commandment, which addresses it directly, thou shalt not covet. But in addition, Jesus spoke more about the subject of a person's relationship to possessions than he did about baptism, his second coming, judgment, communion, and the word of God combined, all of it together. Jesus spoke more about a person's relationship to possessions than to all of those other doctrines. And the reason the Bible has so much to say on the subject of greed and and lust for things is not only because God is concerned about our inward attitudes as well as our outward actions, but also because coveting is where, and take note of this, it's where all sin begins in the mind, in the heart, in your thought life. Jesus said, for from within, out of the heart of man, Proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. In other words, our, our sinful hearts are the very seedbed in which evil thoughts germinate. In fact, one could make a strong case for saying that every one of the Ten Commandments is related to this last commandment. I should put it this way. All the other nine commandments start with the sin of coveting. They all start with coveting. They're all related to coveting. For example, we violate the first and second commandments, which is about worshiping God and worshiping improperly. When we desire, our desires turn other things into gods, into idols. That's where it begins. We have a desire. And that desire becomes eventually an idol we must have. We often break the Sabbath day principle because of greed for material things. Wouldn't think of taking a day off. I got to make more money. We dishonor our parents when in our covetousness we refuse to spend our resources on meeting their needs because we're covetous. And it's often coveting that leads to murder. We want something bad enough that somebody else has it so we murder them. Or stealing. We want something bad enough that somebody has what we want so we steal it from them. And what about bearing false witness? Most of the time, false witness comes from an envious heart. I want to tear somebody else down. I want to ruin their reputation because I'm jealous. And jealousy and and covetousness are almost synonymous. And certainly, coveting is what leads to adultery. You don't even have to wonder about that. 
Therefore, the all-inclusive nature of the 10th commandment makes it the most convicting of all of the commandments. There is no greater conviction that comes in any of the other commandments more than this one. In fact, it is a devastating commandment because no one can escape the truth that they covet and long for things that don't belong to them. You may be able to, to fake other things and, and try to deceive yourselves that, well, you don't commit these other sins, which is not true because we do it inwardly, but coveting is all about our hearts. It's all about inward thinking. Everybody knows when they're confronted with this commandment that they are covetous. See, this commandment goes to the very heart and cause of all of our sinful actions. It forbids, and this is the amazing thing about this commandment, it forbids the very foundation of every other sin, which is our evil thoughts. This commandment doesn't, doesn't give you any room to breathe. You don't have any room to breathe because it outlaws the very first appearance of sinful desires and it gives a death blow to any self-righteousness. It doesn't give you room to say, well, I had this evil thought, but it's okay, it, it deals with it right then. That's how sinful we are. It, it doesn't even wait for your sinful thoughts to turn into sinful actions. It just goes right for the jugular. It slays us. Someone explained the guilty feelings that we have with an understanding. When you come to an understanding of this commandment, you will feel guilty. They said this, if you have found yourself convicted by the study of the other commandments, this one will really get to you. When you come to a true understanding of what this commandment means and how easily it's transgressed, you will be startled and appalled at how regularly you are guilty of breaking the law of God. Certainly, this was the experience of the Apostle Paul. I'd like you to look at Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is Paul's explanation and, and Paul's exclamation of how sinful he really was. And where did it begin with the Apostle Paul? It began when he understood the meaning of the 10th commandment. He says specifically in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, he writes, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Now he's been talking about the law. And his response is, may it never be. No, the law, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect. The law is holy. Nothing wrong with the law. May it never be, he says, on the contrary, now watch this, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Now, I think this is misunderstood. I think this is a misunderstood verse, because when Paul says that he would not have come to know about sin except through the law, he certainly can't mean that the only way he knew he was a sinner is by the law. That's not true, and that's not what he meant here, because according to Paul, in Romans chapter 2, everybody has a conscience, and even people who are unfamiliar with the Mosaic law know that they are sinners because they, they have violated their conscience. You don't have to, the, the law is not the only way you know that you're a sinner. You would know you're a sinner if you never, if you never read the Ten Commandments. You would know that you're a sinner. Your conscience accuses you. And though Paul was raised in a religious Jewish home with much exposure to the law, he certainly would have known that he was a sinner just by his conscience. That's, the, that's part of the message of Romans chapter 2. That's why we know everybody is guilty before God. Because they know the truth, even if it's only in their hearts and they violate it. What Paul was saying is this. Paul was saying is what the law did for him and in particular, this commandment on coveting was to reveal the true nature and character of sin. 
In other words, the law against coveting revealed to Paul that sin wasn't a matter merely of external behavior. It had to do with his thought life, his imaginations, his inward desires. See, up to that point, Paul, as an observant Jew, looked at all the commandments and said, I'm pretty good. I, I don't commit adultery. I've never murdered anybody. I don't bow down to graven images. I keep the Sabbath. I'm okay. But then he came upon this commandment and God revealed to Paul the, the absolute utter depravity of his heart. Paul looked at this commandment and said, wait a minute, this commandment has nothing to do with what I can do outwardly. This commandment is inward, which must mean that all of the commandments are inward. All of them deal with my inward desires, my thought life, my imaginations. Woe is me. I am a wicked sinner. Up to this point, Paul thought he was fine with God. Because as I said, as an observant Jew, he outwardly conformed to all of these commandments. He kept all the feasts. He kept all the rituals. But Paul realized in understanding this 10th commandment, what God was really after. He understood that God looked beneath his external religious surface and saw a heart filled with covetous thoughts. And Paul realized the depth and depravity of his sin. And therefore, in Romans chapter 7, according to verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, Paul said, this verse, this truth killed me. Look at verse 9. He said, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it, killed me. Now, Paul doesn't mean that he died physically. Now, obviously, he didn't. He's writing this. What he does mean is that it destroyed his self-confidence as a respectable, religious, law-abiding individual. It took the, the rug out from under him. It, 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 it destroyed any self-righteousness he had. It destroyed his self-confidence in himself and in his religious observance. It's my hope that our study this morning and next week will have the same effect on anyone here who, who doesn't know Christ. That it'll destroy, this commandment will destroy all spiritual self-confidence you might have and point you to Christ, which is the purpose of the law. So that you might realize how wicked you are and there is no hope and no salvation apart from Christ. You're not good. And this commandment reveals it. This commandment reveals the sinfulness of our own hearts. And so our approach this morning is the same as our approach which, with all the other commandments. We want to ask a series of questions. The meaning of the law, the applications of this law, the implications. And, and by answering these questions, we want to get to the heart of the issues here and the meaning and applications of this commandment. Now, this week we're going to ask only one question, but it is a large question. And that is, what is the meaning of the 10th commandment? What does it mean in context, in, in life? What does it mean? Then next week, we'll ask two questions. What are the dangers or consequences of breaking the 10th commandment? It is a serious sin to break or a commandment to break. And number three, the third question, which we'll ask next week, is what positive virtue does the 10th commandment encourage us to cultivate? God doesn't want us to just go away from this saying, oh, I shouldn't covet. What should we be doing? And we'll look at that next week. So let's begin by looking at the first question that helps us to understand this 10th commandment is this. What's the meaning of it? What is the meaning of the 10th commandment? Now, let me read it to you again. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet 
your neighbor's wife or his male servants or his female servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Like most of the Ten Commandments, this one is presented in a negative way. You shall not. It's a negative. And what this commandment prohibits us from doing is coveting. So the question is, what exactly does Scripture mean by coveting? What does it mean? Well, the Hebrew word that's translated covet simply means to desire, to long for something, to, to have a strong desire, set your heart in terms of a strong desire on something. It's also translated, by the way, delight at times, because what you delight in, you desire. But it's interesting that in and of itself, in and of itself, this Hebrew word is actually uh, neutral. It's, it's morally neutral, which means that depending upon the context, this word can be used for either good desires or evil desires. Just because you see the word covet doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. Covet could mean something that we ought to long for and should desire. There are many good things that we as believers in Christ should, should desire and, and should covet. For example, it's not wrong to desire to get married. That's a good desire. You don't want to make an idol of this and be consumed by it, but it's proper and it's fitting to desire marriage. God put it in the heart of most of us to get married. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. One of the qualities of elders in a local church is that they must have a God-given desire to lead the flock. If a man doesn't have that desire, he's not called by God. 1 Timothy 3.1, if any man desires the office of an overseer, he desires a good thing. So that's right to desire that. It's not selfish ambition. It's God-given desire to minister. And all believers should crave for the purity of God's word. We'll study that tonight. Peter says, as newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. Psalm 119, many times the writer says, I, I desire your word above gold, above silver, above uh, honey and the honeycomb. I long for your word. So that's, that's right. To do. In fact, to not do that is sin. We ought to long for God's word. We should also long to know Christ and make him known to others. Paul said in Philippians 3, Oh, that I may know him, the fellowship of his sufferings. That was Paul's heart's desire. So all of these and many others are just positive and legitimate forms of coveting because we're longing for what God wants us to have. What the 10th commandment forbids us from doing is longing after what God doesn't want us to have. And that specifically means your neighbor's things, what your neighbor possesses. With Scripture using the term neighbor in a generic sense, not, not meaning a person who lives in your neighborhood, but simply those who you know. Anybody you know biblically is your neighbor. Jesus defined that in the... Um, parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody you come across. So it means anybody. See, it isn't wrong to desire things in general. And I want you to understand that. It's not wrong if you, you need to go shopping and, and get something. It's okay. It's wrong to make an idol out of that. Wrong to feel like you have to have something. But Scripture doesn't condemn a desire to have things in general. But that's not what the 10th commandment condemns. What it does condemn as evil is an attitude of not being satisfied with what God has given you and therefore desiring to have what someone else has. That's the heart of this commandment. I'm not content with what I have. I want what you have. And I really want it. And I'll not be content until I get it. That's the heart of this commandment. It's a prohibition against the sinful attitudes of being discontent 
of greed, of lust, all that. The, the coveting that the 10th commandment forbids is lusting after those things that belong to other people. And in verse 17, in this commandment, we're given a sampling of covetous offenses, which are some of the main areas, not the only areas, but the main areas that we are specifically forbidden to crave. So let's, let's dig into this and see what does God specifically outline for us and say this is an area of, of which you need to be careful about coveting. First of all, we are forbidden to covet someone's house, which would seem to represent all that a, another person owns. In other words, their possessions. Are we guilty of this? Have you ever longed, never longed for someone else's home and their standard of living? Wish my house was that nice. Wish I lived in a neighborhood like this. Look at this furniture. Look at this kitchen. Do you realize how much space they have here? And the carpeting, gorgeous. But look at all the closet space they have. You're laughing because you've thought that way. I wish my house was like, look at this lawn. It's beautiful. It's green and, and taken care of and wonderful. If you've ever been dissatisfied with your living accommodations and wish that you could live in a home like more affluent people do, then you've broken this commandment. That's precisely what Scripture condemns. You see, and, and quite frankly, it's a problem we all face. Why? Because not only our hearts are wicked and we naturally gravitate to this. No one has to teach you this. But because you and I live in America, it means that you are constantly bombarded with all kinds of temptations to covet. Ours is a culture that breeds discontent by constantly telling us that happiness comes by possessing what you don't presently have. But if you only had the things those smiling people on those television ads tell you you need, then you'd be happy. Why? Because they're happy. Don't you want to be like them? They've got it together. And they're telling you that the product they're selling is the one that will really make you happy. You need it. Folks, that's our culture. And it's everywhere. It permeates everything that you, that you see in our culture. doesn't matter what you have. If you have yesterday's model of toothpaste, you need the one that has more fluoride in it. Soap, you need a bigger soap. You need something better. If you had last year's model car, you need this year's model. Or wait a minute, you'll need next year's model. It's better still. I mean, that's the way our society is. And we get sucked into that. You just can't watch television ads without being tempted to covet because that's the message. That's the message. You need this new and improved product. You'd be happy if you had that. And regardless of the fact that you, have, you and I have more things than we need, we live in the most affluent society ever. We are wealthier than 97% of the people. People in this room here are wealthier than 97% of the people in the world. We don't need anything else. And yet we want, and we want, and we want, and that's the American spirit. And Jesus, Jesus condemned this covetous spirit that characterizes our society, the spirit that is not satisfied with what it has. It has to have more and more and more. Have you ever watched two toddlers playing together? It makes no difference how many toys there are. One child will try to take away the toy that the other is holding. We are born covetous but the Bible offers us hope to overcome our sinful nature. 
Pastor Steve Kreloff will resume our lesson on the Tenth Commandment when we return with the next verse-by-verse. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. You'll also find hundreds of audio files of previous classes, as well as information on how you can help keep these classes on the air. If you would like a CD or a cassette with this entire three-part message, please give us a call at 727-239-0306. Why did God tell us not to covet our neighbor's possessions? Was it to keep us from enjoying life? The Tenth Commandment, if we do not really think about it, sounds like God is withholding the good life. No, on the contrary. Coveting the wrong things will ruin our lives, even our very souls. We will consider why that happens on the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. If you're concerned about the